Quigley and welcome to episode 135 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, thank you very much to Dave Randall for coming on last week to talk all things uh, music and the bands he's played with. Obviously the artists he's played with. Um, we got to talk a bit about Sinead O'Connor, a bit about Faithless, um, a bit about Dido I think as well. But uh, we talked a lot about his book and uh, politics and music um, and how, well it was a great read in the first place, but how it affects it so much rather than just Rage Against the Machine lyrics, but it was good. it was a really fun chat. Um, my guest this week is Ireland's premier ballerina and owner and creative director of the Elite Ballet Academy, and she is Monica Lockman. How are you doing, Monica? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Very autumny feel to today. Um, I don't know about where you are, but definitely here it's just rain on and off and on and off. You know. Do you know what I actually quite like it? I quite mm. like that break from that heat. You know that really dead heat. The birds weren't even out. It was kind of a bit eerie. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is if I could have this all year, it'd be perfect. I'm exactly the same. I love spring and autumn. They're my favorite two months, and that because the other ones are a bit more severe. Yeah, bit, bit <laughs> much, you know. But uh, listen, we always start in the same place, Monica. Uh, could you give us a short history of your upbringing, please? Oh, okay. Um, I was. Brought up in Santry, which is a couple of miles, about five miles from the airport on the north side of Dublin. Um, I went to school in a normal primary school, normal secondary school. Then I auditioned for a place in a choreographic institute in Perm in the Ural Mountains in Russia when I was 13. I auditioned. Um, I was accepted that very year. This was the second time I auditioned. The first time I was not accepted. The second time I was. Um, and the Ural Mountains is, is a 22 train journey away from 22 hour train journey from Moscow east. So my parents allowed me to go. I don't know how I would not let my son go. So and off I off I um, went and I kind of never really looked back. You know, Russia is I know very controversial at the moment, but it's still kind of my second home. And it's my my for a while. It was my first language was Russian. Um, I worked there for over God, I lived and worked there for, God, I kind of 20 years, maybe. I got lost track. <laughs> and then I I built a small, uh, several schools. And then I decided that what I would do is actually only focus a bit like Michelin Star Chef, only focus on one really good, high quality product or high quality training and intensive training with me. So I shut the others down and I thought, you know what? A little bit of me everywhere is no good for anybody. Mm. Just if you want the real deal, you come to me. So now I primarily base myself on the Long Mile Road and I train dancers to go abroad and either train further or go to work as ballerinas and ballet dancers. There you go. Uh, that's brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, we, we, we will be covering a lot of that because um, it's a fascinating story. And I, I read your book, Ballerina, and it's uh, it's yeah, we, we'll get into it, but I, I do, we always ask a second question as well, and I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot with this one, but uh, um, when did you first become aware of mental health? Um, Really aware, like recently, I'm not going to okay. lie, you know, really where this is a thing that people discuss openly and it's nothing to be ashamed of, and it's something older people like, you know, my father would acknowledge, people now acknowledge, which mm-hmm. is really crucial, I think, and also, it's really changed my way of teaching and it's it's taught me how to be a bit more kind to myself and to those around me. It's, yeah. it's actually been I know it's only been a relatively recent thing, like 
three, four years. And it's not that I wasn't aware of it, but, you know, for I'd be the kind of individual that if I can put a name on something, I'm more understanding of it. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, and like, it, it, you touch on it in the book a number of times as well. And it's, it's I, I like you say, I've had a lot of answers where people have said they might have been experienced something in school and they didn't have anything, any name to put on it. And it was, yeah. you know, it was something that they were feeling there, but they couldn't say to the, even, even turn around to the parents and tell them exactly what it was. It's a, yeah. it's one of those things. And we've had such a, a range of, of answers and uh, we, we'll touch on it a bit more. Um, there was a, a really big question, I guess. Why ballet? Oh God. Um, that's very interesting. Cause originally I wanted to be either a vet or a nun. <laughs> okay. Um, my, I went to ballet because my sisters went and then I kind of got a little bit hooked to it, but I wasn't really very good at it. And then I remember going to do an audition with Nuriev, um when he came to dance in the then the Point Theatre. And I was a wee bit too tall because the costumes were already pre-made for the dancers that were we basically had to skip on and off. That was all we had to do. But I was too tall anyway. I was trying to shrink myself down. So we got free tickets to go to this ballet. And at that point, Nuriev was very was sick. He was actually dying at that point. And I remember watching the ballet going, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It like, cause it was live. And these guys, these were dancers from, they were professional dancers. I don't think they were from the Bolshoi. And, but I, it doesn't matter. I, I just remember just sitting back going, okay, this is what I want to do. But having said that, even then at maybe 11 years old, 10, 11, I knew that it wasn't realistic to say I want to do that in Ireland because there was nothing here. Even I knew that. And I knew that if I wanted to do it, I knew I didn't want to go to England. I just knew I didn't. I don't know why. Again, I don't know why. I just knew I wanted to go to Russia. And when the opportunity arose and I was given the place, offered the place, I was just like, yes, I didn't even ask my parents. (laughs) And and that's that's the fascinating thing for me, really. It's because, like you said, it was in, in England. That's, you know, that's one thing. It's there. It's just across, you know, the the, the strip of water. Yeah. yeah. But when you talk about Perm, and I think it's mentioned a number of times in the book, the distances between places that you had to travel to, all the, you know, the touring distances. But just to think about, like, from Ireland to Perm is such a long way away. In the book, you mention like, homesickness. Yeah. And you mention panic attacks. Yes. For for a thir- a thirteen year old a fourteen year old, how do you deal with those big big feelings? To be honest with you, and what served me a lot of my life is just putting one foot literally in front of the other, and and almost sometimes having tough words with myself, but sometimes just letting myself having a good old cry, mm-hmm. and just you know even though I didn't know back then, it would have been just listening to myself. But, you know, you can't really stop a teenager teenager running off and having a good old whinge, you know. But it was really, it really helped. And I was surrounded by some very, very lovely, one or two really nice Irish girls were with me. And some very nice older Russian girls. And I was, I think I was just, I was just blessed, you know. And I had my mother at the end of the phone and I had quite a religious, I was quite religious. So it Mm -hmm. gave me, it was almost like a, I think I was saying my novena at night. So it would almost kind of just steady me back mm. down and kind of ground me for a while. And I was really, really, really driven. So the panic attacks, although they were very real and and I still would get them, you know, because they're a part of my makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could just focus on what I was about to do and they would just eventually go away. They wouldn't fall off the radar, but they would take us a, a back seat. 
I, I, it's a, it, it's a great way of putting it actually. And nobody's, you know, it's, it, you know, you hear it a lot and there is a certain way to get into the mindset. It's not something that, well, generally a lot of people could do just put one foot in front of the other because it's everything. Like I, I had an example of it this week where I'm like, you know, I've got anxiety and OCD issues. And I, I had a, on Wednesday, I was just thinking about everything I had to do Thursday. And it was just, my mind was like kind of everywhere. And then Thursday arrived and it was like, kind of like what you said there, I just decided, right, well, this is what's next. And then we, we do this. And and it was just changing the mindset on Thursday and I couldn't see it Wednesday. It's a, it's a, it's a bizarre thing that we don't, we look, it's like I said, it has to be worked on. It's not something that is just gifted to no. everybody. Um, there was, you know, there's like, the book is quite dark in places. Um, yes. You yes. know, and, and when I, when I obviously bought the book and I, I look, I saw the cover and it's, you know, it's called Ballerina and obviously everything in that, it seems like, you know, this is going to be quite nice. And, and it does, it gets quite dark in places. There's like, you have to deal with some like bullying, I guess, a teenager. A lot of bullying. Yeah. yeah. And also like what was shocking, the most shocking to me in the book was the physical abuse from one of the teachers, which yeah. was a keys to the head. It's, it's, um, yeah, it was pretty, well, yeah, it was a pretty awful. It was to... brutal. It was yeah. actually, to be honest with you, I saw her about three days ago on Instagram because I followed the most random thing, but primarily ballet on Instagram just mm. to get a, you know, a little bit of inspiration. And I saw that particular teacher and I just went, I could feel my body go. Like, mm. you know, literally go back. And then I thought, OK, you know, move past, not move past it, like acknowledge what happened, but just go, OK, I forgive her. You know, I just I would never treat anybody like that. I've learned a massive lesson. Um, a lot of people have wonderful experiences with her. But I, I think the year that I had her, I think she might have started to deteriorate in her health mental. Yeah. Like she could have been maybe suffering from the begin stages of dementia, or Alzheimer's or Parkinson. I don't know what was going on. We weren't informed. But it was literally like being in a room with a wild animal and the physical impact that that had on me, you know, because I, it's hard to describe, like you would have, pardon me, you'd have diarrhea, you'd be vomiting, you'd get headaches, you know, you couldn't eat, you know, you couldn't sleep. You'd have this, like, you, what, how old was I? 15? Mm. Um, was I 15? No, I was 16, I think. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I had the wherewithal, thankfully, to go, do you know what? I really love ballet, but I won't make it through like this. I just won't. I just won't. I'll end up packing up. So I remember going out on strike. Yeah. Brilliant, though. I just couldn't. I yeah. was just like, I'm sorry, I'm not hugging it. I'm not hugging a toilet bowl every morning because I'm so afraid of being in a room with somebody because she's violent. Mm. Like she was violent. And. And she we weren't allowed to look at her and we weren't allowed to make eye contact with her and we weren't allowed to cry. And there was various things that used to just really set her off. But I remember to start trying not to set her off. And then I remember trying to set her off. Yeah. So I'd get kicked out. So, you know, she kind of, I, I don't think she'd ever, I wouldn't say I'm not complimenting myself in this fashion. I just kind of thought if it's me or ballet, I, it's gonna, I'm going to pick me. Yeah. You know, right. um, because I won't make it through. So I, I, I went on strike and she gave me what I wanted and I moved into another class. But again, that's like the idea of a 15, 16 year old deciding to, go on strike against, you know, again, it's always in my mind of how far away you were and how without your family close by and stuff, and you decided to do that. It was, it was amazing. And, and, you know, the, the other subjects you did as well, you hated uh, piano. Uh, you, uh, you obviously had to speak, learn to speak Russian on top of it. 
<laughs> I was so bad at piano and my fur teacher, oh my gosh, she tried so hard. She did. She had the patience of a saint, but it was also like a cat and mouse game. She used to kind of come into the canteen and try to find me. Mm. But when you were considered as a, if you were a good ba- ballet dancer, they kind of let you be really bad at a few oh, things. Okay. So I was pretty horrific at that. And, you know, subsequently I regret that because I actually love piano music, but I've got really small hands. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was ever going to really happen for me. Um, and I prefer to listen to other people play it well than me kind of brutalize it. That's and then, fair. yeah. So, I mean, and other other subjects I really, if I wasn't great at them, I I learned somehow some of them to love and some of them just to kind of, you know, try to accept and move on from. Did you find, did you find like Russian difficult to learn at the beginning or, you know, was the fact I that d- it was all around you easier? Uh, no, I, um, I think I was, I had a, my roommate unfortunately got sick twice and was sent home halfway through the term. So I had a room to myself. So I ended up sharing with a, a wonderful Ukrainian girl, actually. Mm. Uh, Natasha Chernobai was her name. Beautiful, beautiful dancer. And I uh, we just became friends because I wasn't really clicking with a lot of the Irish. I'd be quite an introvert, I think. And But with Natasha, she was, she was very extroverted, but had a very kind of softer, kind of also an introvert, extrovert, introvert yeah. kind of side of her. And we just got, and she wanted to learn English and I wanted to learn Russian. So, and she was 18 and I was, she 18, 17 and I was 14. So to, to me, she was like ancient, yeah. you know, she, she was like the Oracle, you know? So we moved in together and I slowly, I did have a lot of Russian. I had probably had more than most of the girls and we had one boy with us and he lived on the floor with the other Russian boys and he had the most amount of Russian because he wasn't really mixing with us. Mm. But yeah, I, I it, it wasn't an easy language to learn. And I really learned the most when I joined the company at, at 16. I, uh, just, uh, look, I, I can't <laughs> speak anything but English. And I think you, when I see a language that doesn't have like uh, um, our letters, I suppose, is, but, you know, English letters, I kind of panic. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's new, but I was really bad at Irish and, and French, so I just, I just kind of gave up on it. But um, listen, Monica, just have a sip of your coffee there. I'll read out an advert and we'll fly back yeah. into it, alright? Fusion Training Centre, Monksland Athlone. A place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Centre or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Centre, train like a warrior. Uh, one day I'll learn that off not today, though. Um, no, listen. no ru- you can, if you can read, you don't need to learn it. <laughs> this, this is very true. Listen, your description of post-Soviet Russia and our ideas maybe from, you know, living over here and just seeing, you know, news clips and stuff, the, the cold showers and, and the, the bad food and the cold, you know, you talk about the winters and, and things like yeah. that. Um, I guess, you know, it's creature comforts for for me when I when I was reading the book and immediately when I said cold showers in Russia sounds like the worst combination we could have. But again, it's not something you complain about in the book. Um, the bad food suddenly became all right food, like that you could kind of. Stomach. Oh, I love it now! Oh my yeah. god, I well, inhale Russian food now. Like I, I again, I'm sure I'm ignorant today, but I, like I couldn't name too many Russian dishes and stuff like that. I guess, but um. It, it, I don't know. Maybe it was just the the way you described it as well. That that of 
you know, I can't get over the fact that how young you were at the time and the stuff you were going through and and Russia in the state of flux that it was in at the time, you know, yeah. politically. It was a pretty crazy world to get uh, to go into. Yes, it was. But I, it's kind of really hard. Like I look back and I go, oh, God, you know, I kind of as I, I have a joke with a good friend of mine, like if I got through Russia in the 90s, I can get through anything, you know. <laughs> true, yeah. But it's true. It was like it was a really... Oh my God. But it was so raw. It's like you were really alive. You know, mm. I learned how to, I learned so much. And even if I'd only spent a year there, I would, I like, I, it's hard to describe. I left Ireland from a place where my mother used to like make my bed, you know, iron my underwear and leave out my clothes on the banister in the morning. And I come down and have my breakfast. Literally all I had to do was chew and swallow, mm. you know, to going over there and basically you know, because I got hit by a car and getting up and running off. And this kind of just becoming a really independent, focused. I don't know. I, it's kind of hard to look in, but extraordinarily mm. focused person. It's all, it was almost like a laser. It's kind of it's extremely hard to describe, but nobody was getting in my way. And I don't mean that it was never it never kind of showed itself in an ugly fashion. What it did was it made me look more inward yeah. and it made me more kind of maybe isolated from the Irish people but I was if I wasn't stretching I was doing something else I was I don't mean I wouldn't I wouldn't say obsessed but I was so gonna do this Mm. but the thing is I never knew what the end game was gonna be when I got offered a job I was really surprised Mm. isn't that very odd you just literally take one day at a time and you never think you're gonna get a job but you're just determined to be the best yeah it's amazing. No, but it and that passion comes across a lot because you talk about there was so many tour problems with tours. There was so many <laughs> like things that happened with visas and border crossings and all this kind of stuff. Uh, things that may have put somebody else off the whole idea, especially like an accumulation of things to say, oh, look, this is either it's not meant to be or it's just too much hassle. And for you, it clearly wasn't a, a problem in the end. <laughs> No, I mean, the amount of times I got onto the, I was in Sheremetyeva in Moscow in the airport. And the amount of times I'd get to the crossing the border and something would be wrong mm. or I'd land in a country. And because they'd forget, the Russians would forget they had a foreigner in their midst. They would have forgotten to make me a visa. There was always something. Mm. Now, you'd think I'd have enough cop on at this point to figure it out. But I'd always just go down to the lady and go, have you done my visa? And she'd go, yeah. But she was thinking she'd done my Russian visa. Yeah. It was just, there was always something going on. Like, I, I remember, like, the like being having my room pepper sprayed because they thought that I was an illegal immigrant from Ireland. I'm like, seriously, people, yeah. dial it down. I'm, you know, what was I, 17? What am yeah. I going to do? And then people calling you spy and... I mean, you couldn't make, and these are adults. Mm. And I'm looking around going, but I'm a child. Yeah. And then packing my bags going, I'm out of here. Well, it was just the whole, your English thing used to drive me mad. Mm. And then you're a spy and your arms are short and your legs are short and you're ugly. And, you know, like, I was just kind of looked glad. So if you don't want me, you asked me to work for you. If you don't want me, I'll just, I'll just go home. Yeah. Do something else. <laughs> but- I'll do anything else. So that really, you know, you kind of have to know when. I suppose to stand up for yourself, maybe sometimes when to give up, but giving up at the border is never an option. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like we talked about getting hit by a car just there, you mentioned it, like, and you just ran off. Yeah. Um, 
Can you describe that incident for people? Because it's because we didn't want to just throw it in there and then they'd be like, "What was that?" Like, yeah. Just got... So I think it was it was my first year there. Um, we all went out. It was probably I'd say start of mid December, just before Christmas. We didn't go home to Ireland for Christmas. We went home to Ireland for New Year's. We missed Christmas with our families. And I remember very close to the where we lived was let's say here uh 500 meter was the theater and another 500 meters was the shop that sold all the dolls and all the you know the russian dolls that fold out and i was thinking grace we're going in two weeks i'm going to get all the stuff could have been a week no it was two weeks anyway so went off got the dolls they were all wrapped in brown paper bag and kind of paper old you know that you drop your cop- copy books in yeah, wax yeah. paper and we're going back to the where we live which was called the internet which is like a hostel directly opposite the school and i'm walking across the road because i'm always i'm a very fast walker and the girl st- shouted monica stop but i turned my head into my hood to look mm. and then i next thing i know on my right side i got hit by a car a ladder classic and the next thing I know, my feet are up in the air. It's all slow motion. I can yeah. still relieve it. So I see my two feet in the air in slow motion. And I can see the dolls just going everywhere. And the first thing I thought, and this has to be a split second, was when you get down, when you fall down, get back up. Yeah. Because if he hits you in the back of the head, you're dead. So as soon as I fell, I jumped up and I turned around. And I got my hands in front of the car. And it, and it skid because it was what was it, minus 16 outside or something like that? And I got up and I turned around to the, and I wrecked the car. So I'd, cra- I'd broken the front window. I burnt, I bumped the dent of the bonnet and I'd broken a glass. And your man gets out. And I don't know what he's saying to me in Russian, but Russian always sounds angry if you don't yeah. know it. <laughs> so I was like, I turned around. I was like, get my dolls. And then I just, I sprinted back. Like I sprinted so fast that the man got back in his car had to go around the theatre and back up. So if I went like that in a straight line, he had to go around. I got back to the, I ran a kilometre faster than he drove it. Mm. And then I ran five stories up the stairs. And I remember sitting on my bed going, should I cry? Mm. Like, what just happened? And the girls were like, oh my God, Monica, you know, we don't know what we just saw, but that has to have been a miracle or you're a novena or something, you know. And they're all crying and I'm sitting there and thinking, maybe I should cry. Yeah, join in. <laughs> maybe I'll just join in this yeah. once. So I had a little, it did feel very insincere because I didn't know why I was crying. Mm. And then I stopped and they were still crying. And I was like, okay, I want a hot chocolate now. Yeah. But like you were, you were like, you woke up the next day, you were, you were hurt. Oh, I was, I was yeah. bits. I couldn't, do, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. I must, I really damaged my coccyx and actually... Mm. Long term, I must have hurt something in in around the right hip because my neck used to be better on my right than it was on my left. So it lift up higher and that all that stopped after that. But, you know, I remember my teacher, I was so lucky she came home and she really liked me. And I just said to her, I, I said to her, I made up the most stupidest thing because I was afraid if I told them that I got knocked down by a car that I'd be sent home because somehow I'd broken the rules because they were always yeah. We were always both like there was always some rule you could break. Mm. You know, you look at that person, you've broken a rule. And um, so I told her I fell off the top of the bed. I was standing on the top of the bed and I, I fell off and hit my coccyx. And she yeah. was kind of going. But anyway, look, she was very nice. Did I don't even know if I did my exam. I didn't have to. I was mm. I was the best in the class at that point anyway. So anyway, I don't mean the best. Like she knew I was going to 
because I work with children now. I know what I'm looking at. They don't have to yeah. be the best to know that they're going to be the best. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, you came back to perform in the Point Depot, um, which must have been pretty amazing. Which time? Oh, well, we'll say the first time just to make it like more, you know. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was pretty good, but it was it was also like there was a. It's funny. It, I really really enjoyed it, but like I could literally have been a houseplant, and the audience would have been like, "Come yeah. So that was a bit embarrassing because the Russians are there, like turning themselves inside mm. out, and I could have been a Christmas tree. And at the end, it was still Monica. Yeah. I was like people, like learn, you know. Yeah. So then eventually, I wasn't a Christmas tree anymore. I was doing more principal roles, so I didn't I didn't mind, and the Russians understood but the first year they didn't understand that really they really did not like that but they didn't understand that we they were coming from a back they were landing into a country where this had never happened before yeah. it was like i'd walk moonwalked yeah i think you know? that i think that's it isn't it it's like the um almost the the first of something to happen in 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 ireland is celebrated quite a lot whatever it might be yeah and i think the fact that you were uh coming from another country you know where you learned your you know your trade and you're coming back over to ireland i think it's i think they you know they will have understood that as a as a they'd be quite a proud nation themselves i think you know and if it was the other way around you know yeah maybe i look i mean i understand and it was really it was quite tough and i got a bit of a slagging over it but i mean i took it Mm. and i understand how they must have felt because literally i mean seriously these these people were turning themselves inside out and I was just stood there on the side, you know. Yeah. Now, I wasn't, I was far from just stood there on the side, but I would have been a court of ballet member. Yeah. You know, you don't have a principal do all they do and then you start clapping for, I don't know, it'd be the, like the lion's man in a game. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great, though. I think it's, I think so, it's great. But I did progress. So yeah. then the, the Russians were like, okay, you know, fair point. Because they always kind of thought I'd be, in transit with them they didn't think I was going to stay there for so long right you know I stayed there for probably longer than nearly all of my classmates if not maybe two of them seven of us graduated so six of them were Russian and me we were invited and we joined and out of all of them I think only one of them's there now living in Pern but now she would be retired but I stayed much longer than all of my counterparts what's amazing about the book is you you read the book and it's finished when you're 26 and you're like, I don't, when I was 26, what did I do between this age and this age? You know what I mean? It's so much to pack in, in, in that age. Like looking back, do you see it as that or do you just see it as the, the journey, you know? Oh God, no, I've done so much more since then. No, I mean, but yeah. Oh yeah. Like I understand. But just if you were to look back on that period in your life, do you see it as just the journey or do you realize all that you did in that time like I don't know I and that's a very I get asked that quite a lot mm. I think really I think if, if we go back to the very start of our conversation I think of it as a step step right. step and it's a good it's I think it's a good I, I try not to look back and I'm so glad I wrote the book because although I like to talk about it and like to kind of you know tell people that you can get through tough times and you know, if you just persevere and literally just take it a step at a time. And I say that to the students I train all the time. If you leave my class with one step in the bag, in your pocket, you will make this. But if you're you're kind of just going, yeah, like one little one little degree higher every day 
but yes, I think at a step at a time, that's how I would describe it. Yeah. Really. And, yeah. And I, I watched your, um, your performance on the late, late show, uh, a few years ago. And, um, I watched it a couple of times, obviously on, on YouTube and stuff. It's there available to see, but, um, you know, ballet is, is something that's very, um, you know, foreign to me. I haven't done it before. Um, my background in, in ballet is, is, is films in ba- about ballet. And I, we will come to that. Because uh, I have to talk about films when I have anybody cool. on. But the, it, you can, obviously it's something that's very beautiful. You know, something that uh, when it's, I, w- I wonder, do I, would I be able to tell, you know, not tell the difference between someone who's brilliant. You oh, know, you would. Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is yeah, it, like you can tell the difference between good opera and bad opera. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I get you that. Can, I'm telling you now, you can definitely tell the difference. It's, because I, it's uh, because we, you see, I know we kind of like, oh, you, you see, the problem is in this country and we have a lot of ballet schools and we're so right. attuned and accustomed to looking at bad ballet. We think that that's ballet. That ain't ballet. Ballet is, ballet um, is like, what is it they call it? The, the God's Athletes. Really? That's what it's it's known as globally, except mm. in Ireland, because some of the ballet that we produce is just it's it, I'm not saying the professional stuff or the professional theatres. Mm. I'm just saying in, in a lot of the schools. And the reason I know this, is I would I would have a lot of children coming to me for help after they've been in these schools. And remember as well, if you're going, if this is a career you want and a path you want to follow, and for people out there who are teaching something very poorly, you're stealing somebody else's dream, yeah. really. And I, I get a lot of people coming in the door to me and I have to work so hard to rectify all the really, really, really bad stuff they've been taught. Mm. And sometimes I just have to go, I don't know if I can do it. You know, I, and it's really, really hard to break that to a child who could possibly have done it. But now there's too much muscle memory that's bad. So it's, it, you know, that's one thing that I find the most difficult about what I'm doing mm. is retraining people. Yeah. Um, I, I've not, you know, there's things about, again, your discussion about ballet and how tough it is on the body in general, because you, yeah. you mentioned about, you mentioned stretching a lot and how important obviously that is for it. But when I look at even going back to the performance on Late Late Show and up, just being up on your toes like that, you know, because again, if if someone thinks like that, who's who's not been doing it? Now, I'm just going to give you a tiny example of me whinging about something that's nowhere near as bad as that. So I'm training yesterday doing some jujitsu, and just it, it happens a lot on on my toe for some reason. I don't know, but the skin peels off the bottom of it because you're kind of you're up on your toes, but not in the way you are. You're up like that, you know? Yeah. And it just, this, on the mats, the skin peels off. And I was kind of cribbing about it. But then I, like some of the stuff that you described in the book, again, you know, the injuries that you get with regards to your toes and everything, they're they're brutal. And, you know, people whinge about, or people have this idea, sorry, not whinge, but people have this idea of, oh, what are the tough things like rugby and, you know, boxing and stuff? And they never think of something like ballet. And then you read about the injuries you can get, and they're pretty horrific. Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, some of the stuff that happened to my feet, like I had, mm. to, I've had to many times like put my toenails back on because they're yeah. half hanging off and plaster under and plaster over because like ripping them off, you could get infection, you know, could get an infection. So you have to try to keep them on. And then my heels, the skin used to peel off my head. Like you'd have, you'd see the meat. It wasn't, oh, you'd see. Yeah. And like, I remember dancing and like thinking I'm going to pass out or throw up. I was like, well, which one, I'm, you know, what, what's going to happen here? And you'd be right up on the stage like 
this would be more when I was in like soloist kind of and then trying to come up with these weird ideas with your shoes to cut out the back and darn it or cut out your little toe and darn it over and like always coming up with ideas. Now, I was physically very lucky. I never really suffered with anything other than the skin falling off my feet and my toes, toenails mm. falling off. Like they were just like a banana or, yeah. you know, like just go, you take your foot out of your shoe and it'd be just like, Pfft. oh, yeah. I'm telling you, disgusting, honestly. So I've learned that was my thing. But I've seen people, I've heard people snap Achilles tendons. It's like a shotgun go off. Seen people rip off their kneecaps. I've seen people, you know, being dropped. I've I've seen it all, you know. But you do it because you love it, Mm. you know. The amount of things I've actually seen that physically can go wrong, but that's why we train. That's why we train so hard. And that's why it's plasters and you stick your toes back together and you get Mm. back out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fair, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I saw before um, I, I saw you and heard you speak, I had read the book. So what came after them was kind of like, you know, YouTube clips. I knew you were coming on and I wanted to kind of at least have an idea of, you know, the words coming out of the mouth and stuff, you know. Um, and so you've been on TV quite a bit. And I, I, I just wonder, is that something you like? Because there's something quite natural. There's a natural charisma to you that seemed very comfortable in the setting. Do you? Did you feel comfortable in those kind of, or do you feel comfortable in those settings? I do. I lo- actually yeah. quite enjoy it because I, because I love what I do so much. I like to, I don't mean educate. I like to, mm. it's kind of passion of mine to make people who don't like ballet, like ballet. Yeah. I, I genuinely like, and I don't care who you are. If I can make you kind of go, right. Okay. Actually, these are interesting people that have a life, you know, and have kids and, you know, keep the electricity on by dancing. Mm. And I just, I, I, when I fell in love with it, I fell in love with it so randomly and so out of the blue. And it's such a magical thing to to be able to teach somebody and to be able to watch somebody mature and to be to have that kind of complete control over your body. There's nothing like it. Mm. But not only that, to be able to actually really bring the audience with you so they love every second of it, even though they haven't a clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's... I mean, and then when you get to a point where you can actually dance, dance, not just do the moves correctly, but actually feel something and, you know, mm. portray it. Oh, my God, can't beat it. And, you know, that was for me, that's all I ever wanted to do when mm. I when I fell in love with it. That's all I ever really wanted to do. And being on TV was much easier than dancing. And yeah. <laughs> I, I really do enjoy it. And I take direction very well because when I was doing ballet chances, I worked with this wonderful director. His name was Connor. And he would always say, Monica, do that again, but don't say so at the start. So I, so. I learned <laughs> a lot. And then I did big ballet for Channel 4 and I learned so much with them. Mm. That was incredible. Uh, but it's such hard work. It yeah. really is 10 hour days. And you have to be so ready for everything but the thing is the camera I know that the edit is out of my hands mm. and I know that if I make friends with the people behind the camera the likelihood is the edit is going to be a wee bit kinder yeah but you don't have control but you can only pres- put your best foot forward and try your very best absolutely so. there was another question I had it kind of lined up but I'm, I'm I can kind of turn around a bit because you said it at the start you had schools um plural and then you you honed it down to one now a lot of people um and I, I, you've already kind of said why you did it, but a lot of people would see it as, well, I'm going to keep open, we'll just say five, uh, because that's the money, you know, I'll get money out of each one. Clearly not your uh, motivation and something you, wanted, uh, you wanted to hone down into one. 
uh, how, when did when did you hone that down into one? And um, how has it been a better experience um, rather than the, having the few? Yeah. Well, I had, I think, about at one point I had seven. Oh, did you? Um, but the, the quality wasn't there and I wasn't willing to put my name to it. And okay. the teachers, it's very hard to find somebody. I have a few teachers now that have a very, have a similar passion to it as I do and are very, are very inspirational, but they're very hard to find. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to put myself to something that, put my name to something that I wouldn't want to work with. Yeah. Because if that child then ended up in front of me and I had to turn around to the teacher and go, what have you just done? So no matter how, how well I trained them, I kind of, you know, I need to keep everything very tight and under this umbrella and kind of, so I walk into the studio and that teacher goes, right, she's like, and I, you know, they know I'm watching. Yeah. But not in a, not in a, yeah. not in that kind of way, but in a, okay, I've got my eye on, why don't you try this? Or you're doing great. Or what can I get you? You know, it's more collaborative, but it'd be just like trying to have a Michelin star restaurant here, but serve the Michelin star food in Dundalk. Mm. I couldn't do it. And maybe yes, financially, but it was, it was, I was starting to feel the burnout from it. I was starting to feel, and I would be, have a temperament that if I can't do it right, just don't do it. Yeah. You know, and I can do it right, but only, you know, in one location on my terms. But a wonderful, like, when you walk into my studio, the thing is when you walk into my studio, and I see it quite often, but people, new people walk in, you go, because oh, it's just, it's so big. The floor mm. is perfect. It's so, it's hard to describe. It's got a piano. Yeah. It's got the shoes. It's got costumes everywhere. You're just walking into another world. And I. You can't duplicate that. And I don't want to. And the thing is, if you really want to do ballet, this is what you really want. You need to come to me. Yeah. I'm not going to go to you because everybody comes from all over Ireland to me now. So let, and this year as well, I'm not taking just anybody. I'm only working with those that I want to work with. That's a new thing for me. Mm. I've really like gone, don't want to work with it. You're not getting near me. But it says a lot for... Um, you know, for for the parents and the students going in there, knowing that this is what you're, you know, you you're having the very best in this, you know, studio yes. and everything else is, you know, it's so focused on that thing. I think it's a brilliant way to have it. Um, I promised uh, some films, and I just I, I wanted because I heard you talking on TV about uh, you were asked actually about um, Black Swan. It was obviously fears going Black Swan, <laughs> and, and so I so I heard that clip and I thought right name the films that I had seen with ballet and the depiction of ballet in the film. So obviously there was the the, the White Crow, which was about Nureyev, you already mentioned, which yeah. is a biopic, so it's slightly different. The Turning Point is uh, another one which I love, I really love, but it's, again, it's a, based on a true story. I want to I wanna pick these three out because, so we have Black Swan being a big one, um, we have Suspiria, and we have The Red Shoes, and three films with horror-related um, themes in it. What is it about ballet, do you think, that lends itself to this kind of idea of horror? Oh, interesting. Um, uh, because maybe it's so hard and people are like, yeah. I don't know. But have, I you think ever it... seen, have you ever seen White Nights with um, Baryshnikov? No. Oh, no. my God. That is now that's a watch. That is really? a love letter to Russia, to St. Petersburg, to Baryshnikov, to ballet, right. to theatre, to tap dancing. It is Honestly, I've shown my son and he started it. He was like, 
yeah, right. And then by the end, he was trying to do turns here. And he doesn't do ballet. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I, you know, mm. that's actually a really good question. I'm going to think about that because I'm not a big fan of some movies like the, the Black Swan. I was a bit, I spent most of my time rolling my eyes in the back of my head. I'm surprised I didn't pass out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I suppose it's a bit like, you know, the stereotypical like detective with the Mac and cigarette yeah. and the hat or the, you know, the the journalist, you know, this kind of cliche. So I really don't pay that much attention to it because cliches usually come from a place of ignorance. Yeah. So I just kind of go. I agree. I, I think there is a huge cliche um, to Black Swan and, and a little bit to Suspiria as well. I, I wonder if with those three, like the red shoes, is, it's not quite horror, but, it, you know, the ending is pretty horrific. But I think what the what I took from the three when I was thinking about it before I came on, uh, obsession seems to be um, or the yes. pursuit, the pursuit of perfection. And yes, the, I guess the downfall. And, you know, when you talked about the, the toenail there and there is a scene in Black Swan where she takes her toenail off and I was with a couple of people and. One of them there, one of the girls there said it was the worst part of the film, like the most horrific part of the film. And it's just funny that you you actually mentioned in your book, uh, A Real Life uh, Ballerina. But but I, I just find the, that Hollywood's are, um, I know Suspiria was, was Italian, but the, the the idea of ballet is, like you said, it's full of cliches to, to them. It is. I think Hollywood can be in general anyway. But, it you is. Know. I mean, they can be a wee bit lazy, but like <laughs> putting that aside, you know, ballet is an obsession. I think mm. if you take any elite sports person, they are obsessed with their sport. You yeah. know, the, they and their sport are kind of like the one thing. But the thing with ballet is ballet, you can do this up in, like in, in, in Paris Opera, their prima ballerinas get up to about 44. Really? So, yes. Oh. So, you know, it, it's a it's a lifestyle. It is an obsession. Your your body is the your tool, your instrument in which you earn your money. So, you know, and you gain satisfaction and pain and all these different things. And, you know, it changes from from minute to minute. That's the thing. Like you have a day off the next day. It's like you've had a year off. Yeah. You know, it's and the more fine tuned and the better you become, the more you feel the slightest thing. It, you know, I the thing is, I struggled most mentally that when I became really, really good. And I was a principal at ballet. I struggled the most mentally with finding energy and I struggled the most with those reactions that my body would have where one minute I'm like a Ferrari and the next minute I'm like a bicycle that's fallen over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, and, where... and it, could, it would happen on day to day. So you woke up and you never really knew what was mm. going to come, you know, happen. And you had to really, this is where discipline and technique comes in and that kind of, you know, where you take a deep breath and you have to dig down deep and go, okay, it's not going to be my best performance, but I can, I can use all the years I have, you know, of of training and, and and knowledge to get me through this, but all I actually want to do is go to bed and you know sleep. Yeah, and but you're but, out there for two hours. You know, it's not yeah. a sprint. This is a marathon, a marathon with a dress or a tutu or point shoes. You know, and sometimes you're just not in the mood. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. And I, I kind of I, I asked this question to creative people, and and like how has how has you know ballet and dance helped with your mental health? Um, it's a, it can be a two-edged sword, okay. to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. You have to be quite um, determined, I think, would be, and disciplined would be those very focused. Um, but also you have to have really good teachers and you have to have somebody in your ear going, look, you know, you have this, this and this and this, but we need to work on this and this. 
But if you have somebody playing with you in the background, playing with your mind and, you know, then then it becomes much more difficult. You know, I was extraordinarily lucky to have my first two teachers in perm in the in the in the school to be very honest, very sincere and very hardworking women who would tell me what I need to do. And fortunately, I would just do it. There was no like, I would just do it. And that's why they love me. The second two, they weren't so, it wasn't so much like that, but I learned a lot from them. And then in the theatre, primarily, they were, my primary teacher was wonderful. And she would tell me to do jump and I'd say how high. Mm. So I didn't have a lot of people messing with my mind other than, you know, bullying, but I could always kind of rationalize that, you know, I could put that in a little box. But, you know, it is a double-edged sword. And for me, I struggle mostly with finding the energy. That's, Mm. you know, I would love to go back and train myself on eating and sleeping and mindfulness and resting and, you know, not stressing about the smaller things and it'll be fine tomorrow. But I didn't. I would have had quite an anxious personality. Yeah. So I, I... I struggled with that. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. It is a double-edged sword, but you need a really good um, Jedi master to, to bring you on the journey. You yeah. do. You need somebody to put their hands on the shelves. Go, it's going to be okay. Just learn one thing. Yeah. What, what's what's amazing is my, um, I have some nieces and they always, when they were younger, wanted to be ballerinas. And it's one of those things that you hear an awful lot, you know, people want to be ballerinas and it's it's uh you're the one that's kind of lived that that dream as such you know that that wanted to be one became one and you know did did all the stuff you did it, it's it's incredible to think yeah you know and the whole point i suppose now when when i'm talking to you now is that you're giving back you know that's such a huge huge thing um and i i guess this question might be uh it mightn't be relevant to you it's not relevant to most people this day at this stage but uh you probably don't have much spare time but if you did have some spare time we'll put it that way what would you like to do with it oh wow I'm gonna be honest with you in my spare time I like to be on my own and I like to I like to be on my own I love to read Mm. I love to as like I love to like potter around the house and do my plants and like, I love the very simple things in life. Like, I've traveled a lot. I, of course, who doesn't like to travel? But I really genuinely, absolutely thrive when I'm, I have got some time on my own. Uh, I'm, like, in that camp as well. And I think, you know, a lot of people struggle to be on their own. I think a lot of people like to have, like, to be stimulated all the time by conversation and other people around them. And, uh, you know, and I, I talk to people about that and, and I'd say how, you know, huge it is for me to have some time on you know, whether it's, it could be an hour a day or something as small yeah. as half an hour um and i'd be similar to, to read a book or you know like even this morning i just watch a film those kind of things there's i think i think for me for my mental health for my kind of stability and everything like that it's it's very important just to kind of let everything just rest and uh and when i ask people and i know you've you've you're like you mentioned you're you have you got just one uh oh, one, one little kid, boy yeah one boy yeah. So, so that's kind of i always kind of see you know, you're running a business, you've got a little boy. So, but if like I say to people, if you can just squeeze in just, you know, half an hour on your own, go for a walk, just something. Bliss. Yeah, it is bliss. Yeah, it's pretty much. But I also want to ask you, how is your Russian now? Do you, do you practice your Russian or is it? Oh, yeah. Different? I oh, love yeah. Russian. I watch lots of Russian programs on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, of course. I have lots of Russian friends, yeah. you know, sprinkled all over the globe. So... Yeah, not like I'll dream in Russian quite often. When I came back, I only it was very hard for me because I had to 
most of my thought process went on in Russian and I had to translate it into English. And if I was having a fight with somebody I, I in English, I'd usually cry because I couldn't get the words out. Really? Because you know when you get frustrated and you you know you sound like a moron? Yeah. Oh, I know <laughs> or like that a three-year-old. That's why yeah. three-year-olds cry. Like my, I, I had two older sisters and they would be like giving it welly because they're, they're well able for it. And I'd just be like, because ah, I couldn't say the words in, yeah. in English. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed. That's why I love reading, relearning English. And, you know, I just love, I love the Russian language. It has a very, very interesting way of describing things. I was talking to a relative of mine the other day and I was supposed to be talking to somebody on the phone. I was like, I don't want to. And my my relative was like, why not? I was like, well, she could steal my kidney. You know, that's what the Russians would say. It was like, you know, when somebody's quite able to manipulate you. I was like, well, no, she could steal my kidney. I'd say thank you. And two days later, I'd be washing my dishes and going, what was that? But that's the way the Russians kind of describe it. So it's a wonderful language. It's, you know, I've been very lucky to have that side of my personality come to the fore because I don't think that would have happened had I remained here because I was the youngest of three Mm. and I really don't think I would have, that would have, none of this would have happened for me. This personal development wouldn't have happened for me, I think. Um, Monica, you've been a a wonderful guest. Thank Uh, you and thank you for having me. Oh, of course. It's been hugely entertaining. Um, (laughs) If people uh, want to learn a bit more about Monica, go and buy Ballerina. Uh, It's a fantastic book. We've only touched on some of the stuff, but it's really, really great read from cover to cover. Uh, Monica, if you wouldn't mind, could you wait with me for one minute? I'll close it out. I'll get a quick photo, a little promo snap. Thank you very much, Monica. Okay. I also want to thank the usual people, John, for the technical stuff. Uh, I don't even, we were just, me and Monica were laughing beforehand about our lack of technical ability. I couldn't even say the second word that I was trying to say there. That's how bad I am at technical stuff. Uh, thanks to my mum, my dad, my granddad, Jaron Calvin, of course. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and uh, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all those ones. Um, thanks everyone for watching. Once again, Monica, thank you uh, so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And everybody else, uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.